Welcome to a new episode of Broadway Radio's Tell Me More. I'm your host, Matt Tamanini. Here on Tell Me More, we strive to talk about projects and topics that don't often get covered on theater podcasts. On today's episode, we're going to take a bit of a break from that tradition, though, as we will, at least in part, talk about a show that will get a ton of attention from all sorts of theatrical media this spring, and that is Hadestown. Because on today's show, I am speaking with the musical's multi-talented star, Reeve Carney. In addition to discussing what I have long predicted to be the 2019 Tony winner for Best Musical, we talk about Reeves' time as the original Peter Parker in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark on Broadway. We also discuss his phenomenal Showtime TV show Penny Dreadful, in which he played Dorian Gray, and his award-winning solo album Youth is Wasted. That album, which won three independent music awards last year, will be the backbone of his show at the Green Room 42 this coming Sunday, February 24th at 9.30 p.m. In addition to songs from the album, Reeve will also sing and play some of his favorites from the worlds of rock and Broadway, and he's all by himself. He's accompanying himself on the guitar and a few other instruments, which we'll discuss in the episode. It sounds like it's going to be one heck of a show. Reeve is incredibly thoughtful in discussing living in both the worlds of music and acting throughout the interview, and I really, really appreciate that. He also dives fairly deep into his specific acting process, and he is incredibly generous as I geek out about Penny Dreadful and sound a little bit like Chris Farley interviewing Paul McCartney. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Reeve Carney. Hi, Matt. This is Reeve Carney calling. Hey, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling. Oh, no problem. I hope there's not too much echo for you. I'm just, uh, I'm in my new apartment, so there's no furniture yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is perfect. Uh, this is great. So I okay. appreciate that. So, well, speaking of which, new apartment, welcome back uh, stateside. Thank you so much. I'm, it's exciting to be back. I was actually home in Los Angeles for two weeks before coming back to New York. Oh. But I, I was born and raised here in the city, so it's exciting to be back. And uh, to be doing something like Hades Town obviously makes it uh, is a good reason to be coming back. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we're we're gonna talk about Hades Town in depth, so so don't worry about that. But the reason we're uh, obviously talking is you've got a a show, kind of like a pre Hades Town show, I guess, coming up at at the end of the month uh, at Green Green Room oh, yeah, Forty Two. Yeah, and one of the things when they announced that you had joined Hades Town for, I think you guys did a lab before you went up to Canada, and then obviously the National Theater, when they said, Reeve Carney's going to play Orpheus, I said, that actually is probably one of the most tailor-made things that I've ever heard, because you do have a very similar, not only vibe to the character, but I, I feel like with your music background and the acting background, it kind of feels like, almost like, obviously she didn't, but it kind of feels like Aeneas wrote this part for you, what has that kind of been to to slip in to this character and, and kind of be able to play all sides of what you would do in the normal real world? Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, it does feel um, more tailor-made vocally for me than anything that I've certainly ever worked on or, or, or that I've seen in sort of the musical theater idiom altogether, I guess. I, it, it, I'm allowed to, I'm able to use parts of my voice that aren't traditionally used in musical theater and it's really exciting for me and and um i guess part of that is being a part of it from an early stage uh you have a chance to to do some of that um i i, I for instance i had never done a workshop for spider-man turn off the dark and um but that stuff was was 
amazing. And I mean, for me, it, that's that's the reason that I'm here, really, on Broadway. The fact that people are writing shows that are not necessarily uh, written for what people think of as the traditional musical theater voice. It, it's I feel very grateful for that, that, that it's been opened up in a way that, you know, people from the rock and roll world or obviously with Hamilton rap, you know, all kinds of music that wasn't traditionally musical theater is now becoming part of it, which is so cool. Now, if you don't consider yourself, you know, a, a traditional musical theater voice, which I think anybody who's listened to your uh, to your solo album or any of the stuff you did with your band would understand that. But if you don't consider yourself a musical theater voice, what do you consider your voice? Is it is it that rock you talked about? Is it folk alternative? Where do you where do you class? I mean, I know you probably don't want to classify yourself, but if it's not musical theater, how do you describe your sound? Oh, yeah. And I, and I mean, I guess. Not that I'd have any problem with it being musical theater, but I guess I sure. I did grow up listening to a lot of folk music and a lot of rock and roll and uh, blues in particular. And but I, I also have always been drawn to theatrical performers, you know, within the rock and roll uh, genre. You know, Freddie Mercury is probably my favorite, of course, uh, in terms of just straight singers. But I've I've always had such a love for Judy Garland as well. Uh, <laughs> sort of for similar reasons yeah. in a way. I, so I, I don't know. Um, I, I love. I, I, yeah, I, I love so much music, and as long as it has a strong sense of melody, and I feel like in conviction, and that people are doing their best to tell a story, I, I tend to, to enjoy it. Well, and that's interesting. You talk but about. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was thinking of another singer that's quite theatrical. Who I've uh, probably my biggest. Three of my biggest influences in the rock and roll genre were, uh, or have been Freddie Mercury, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith and, uh, Edgar Winter growing oh, up. Yeah. And they're all quite, quite theatrical. So I think, um, maybe that's part of what makes me feel so at home, uh, in a theatrical setting. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's really interesting when you talk about from a singing standpoint, the thing that really appeals to you both as a, you know, as a fan and as an artist is the storytelling. I mean, do you, do you classify what you do as a singer as different than what you do as an actor? Or, I mean, obviously when you're writing your own material as a singer songwriter, that's one thing, but just in terms of being a singer and then being an actor, are they, do you differentiate between them or is it just part of the same impulse to express or share something? Yeah, I have a friend named Stevie Gurr, who's one of my musical mentors, a guitar player from Northern California. And he, uh, he always has said to me when I was quite young, when I, around the time I first met him, he said to me, it's the human before the medium. And he always felt that you could understand how someone would communicate with you as either an actor or a musician or a singer, uh, obviously an instrumentalist or yeah. a singer. Um, and uh, by just having a conversation with them. And I thought that would be quite interesting. I think there is something to be said for that when I'm jumping between acting and music. I think there's a similar tone to the approach, but I think that they inform one another. For me, my acting has informed my music and my music has informed my acting and constantly is doing so. So I feel really fortunate to live in a world in which it's now acceptable again to do both. I feel like maybe in the forties and the fifties, it was quite acceptable to be a musician or at least a singer and also be a, an actor. But it seemed like it went through a phase in which that wasn't particularly exciting for people. And now it seems to be back in that spot again. I, and I love that because I, I feel like I learned so much as an actor from being a musician. And I learned so much about being a musician from being an actor. It is, it is cool. 
Yeah, and I would imagine, especially on a project like Hades Town, when you're playing a character who is described as a poet, but also a musician, what is something that you learned from your experience as a singer that you were able to directly infuse into your portrayal of Orpheus? Well, I think Orpheus spends a large portion of the show focused and almost obsessively so on writing a song that will change the world. And I think that, I think that a lot of musicians can relate to that, especially songwriters, but I think it's a much bigger thing than I think it's something that humans can relate to as well. I think everyone feels that way about something. And, uh, I, so I, I don't know if I necessarily feel that a lot of my associations with Orpheus were because of being a musician, but more because of being human. I, I guess that's how I feel, but it certainly has helped. I mean, um, I do know what it, you know, what that feels like, I guess, to be a, a bit obsessive about, about creating something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and one of the things that you did create and probably had to be quite a bit obsessed uh, about to make it work is uh, your, your album, Youth Is Wasted, where you wrote it, you produced it, obviously you sang it, it went on to, it's only about, what, two and a half years old, it went on to win a ton of awards, and that's going to kind of be at least the backbone of your show at Green Room 42 here in a, in a, in a week and a half. What was that experience like? You've you've done music, you've done, at that point, you, you'd done Broadway, you'd done TV and, and some film stuff, but I would imagine taking on the entire process of creating an album where you are literally responsible for all of it. I'm sure you had a ton of help, but you know, you're the writer, the producer and the performer. I, I would imagine that's quite the ordeal to undertake. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, thanks to, I, I began work on that project towards the tail end of my time in Spider-Man and then continued it as I was working on Penny Dreadful. And um, having the time, getting used to the Broadway schedule is what allowed me to have gave me the ability to make an album like that. And truly, like, I don't know if a lot of people, if I don't know if I've said this often enough, but um, I really do feel that Broadway, particularly, I mean, I don't know if it would have happened on any show that I had done if it had been a show other than Spider-Man, but it really helped me find my true voice, I think. Hmm. Um, I think because you, you have to, I feel like there's no room for pretension on Broadway. To me, uh, the, and in the rock and roll world, it's it's easy for people to fall victim or fall into the traps of uh, the pitfalls of the rock and roll world and what people might expect of you. And I think I really think Broadway helped me to find my true voice, and and I think that was necessary to, in order to accomplish something like making the album Youth Is Wasted. And uh, I'm really really grateful for that. But yeah, I I uh, I love that. I, I mean, I love doing just as I was saying before. I love being able to jump between singing and acting, music and acting. And uh, it just keeps things interesting for me, being able to, let's say, do a show at night and write my own songs during the day or record an album during the day. It's, it keeps your creative mind flowing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I fully answered your question. No, 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 <laughs> no that's perfect. It, 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 that's a really interesting answer to me, that what you said about the fact that Broadway doesn't have the room for pretension and you kind of found your true voice even though you were playing 
a character right <laughs> and you were singing someone else's words i mean what i guess maybe um, yeah, yeah that seems like an odd dichotomy yeah, yeah. it's true <laughs> what Sorry, was it keep going. <laughs> no no i mean what was it about it was it just the fact that like maybe it was just there and you had to figure out how to tailor it to yourself rather than trying to create something to you know fit certain boxes i would imagine in the rock world you've got to click certain boxes so when you're building it from the ground up it's almost like you've got to hit things maybe to where on broadway when you are you know you have a director and these other things that have already laid out the groundwork for you you've got to tailor it to yourself rather than tailoring yourself to the work does that make sense yeah that that might be part of it i think with that particular character i feel one of the beautiful things about it for me is that it it reacquainted myself and reconnected it, re- it helps to reconnect me with the person that I knew I was when I was five years old. I don't know if that makes mm. any sense, but yeah. I think that life in general can kind of take you in a lot of different directions and some of them might not be right. And I think, it, I think I really do think I went through a phase of thinking that maybe trusting your instincts was not the way to go. And I I've come back around and I, I really feel that people should trust their instincts. And I think that a, a lot of those instincts that you have when you're five years old are uh, they're pretty right on. I mean, yeah. I, that's that's yeah. how I feel. And I think Spider-Man helped me get reacquainted with that sense of innocence that helped me to, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of power in innocence, I think. And I think that it helped me with that. So yeah, I don't know. I think that was more the way in which it helped me. Yeah, that's awesome. That well, makes any sense. No, totally. And I, I think uh, yeah. what what's interesting about that is, is you go from, Spider-Man on Broadway and you're you're learning all these things about you and then even though you, you know, like your next big project is a TV show to me Penny Dreadful which I loved uh, the entire thing but oh, it always thanks. it felt very theatrical and obviously John Logan was you know the creator and, and the writer and he's yeah. such a, a theater person and there's a lot of people in the cast that had theater background but it just felt so so ensemble based that it felt theatrical to me and obviously everything was big and unique and i have to ask like what that experience was like because it is such a unique series and i miss it i'm glad they're doing a, a spinoff but you know i kind of miss your your crew of characters uh, uh from the original oh thanks yeah i'm excited about the spinoff because i have no idea what direction yeah they're going to take um but yeah it was incredible i mean like you said working with a lot of people who've worked in theater um, I didn't quite understand it. Not to say that there, there are people that have such incredible instincts that it's it's not this way. But I remember um, I had the chance to work with Chris Cooper when I was uh, I do I, we did the Tempest with Julie Taymor together, right. and uh, I remember hearing him say that he there's something that happens when people when film actors have a chance to work in theater, and I didn't know what that was because I hadn't really I hadn't done any professional theater at that point. And I understand what he means from working with our cast members and having done it myself now, it, it certainly helped me. And I think um, it, that did, there's a certain tone to the approach that existed on that show. And I'm sure it, it exists. I think they did that on purpose. It seemed that John Logan was drawn toward people who have worked a lot in theater, obviously Patty Pat yeah. Um I didn't get to work with her, but she's such a beautiful soul. It's such a, kind person i've spent a lot of time with her oh wow not you know not working together but uh but while we were working together on the show we were never in the same scene but right. we actually shared a dressing room which was really cool oh. but um not to, like when i had days off i would she would be in the room and then on her days off i'd be in and it was cool yeah and it's such a it was such a unique cast and like i said a, a ton of theater folks but it was so such a different 
show and your character you know, we saw such a different kind of progression with Dorian uh, throughout the season, which is ironic from a character who supposedly, you know, doesn't age. Um, but uh, yeah. so j- just real quick, and I-, I will get get off this because I know it's a show that doesn't run anymore, so we can't really promote it. But um, oh, no, it's I, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> it's true. It's just it, it's so interesting to me because this character who comes off as such steely, cold perfection at the beginning and as we see kind of what he thinks is he has this world that he has control over kind of come falling down around him what was that process like of of working with with billy and the other cast members to kind of really deconstruct a character whose entire ethos is being immortal yeah i i think that in general with any character that i have the opportunity to play i want to find the parts of myself that exists within that character and vice versa. And actually to bring it back around a little bit to music, um, not that I was planning this, but the primary way I think about this with characters is I equate it to musical frequencies because I did, I think you mentioned that I produced my album and I mixed it as well. Yeah. And I, I'm, I really love mixing. And um, I, I find that with, frequ- with musical frequencies, I think of it like the spectrum of like the spectrum of light or musical frequencies um, there. I think that, in the sense that they all exist within us. So I think that we have all of these things within us at some, let's say, if you're using musical frequencies, for instance, at some decibel level, you know, the the fundamental frequency is the part that you present to the world. That's how I look at it. So you then have to find, I think, the, the part of yourself that would then be the fundamental frequency of that character and just turn that part up uh, raise the volume on that and then decrease the volume on the parts that aren't useful for that character. That's, that's how I think of it. So, I mean, for instance, uh, if you've ever driven in Los Angeles or Boston or, or even New York, you probably experienced a little bit of symptoms of road rage. <laughs> and I think like, I don't know, that's like maybe like a small, uh, microscopic version of some of the rage that you sometimes have to portray with other characters. I don't know. I mean, that's just a, no, I'm just yeah. throwing that out there as an example, but you just find things that ways in which you can connect to that person, and then you uh, use that stuff. I guess sense memory is a big part of it. I I study with um, Sandra Seacat and Greta Seacat and Sheila Gray. They're like a trio of acting teachers, and um, Sandra was one of Lee Strasberg's students. So she, a lot of the stuff that I've had the chance to work on has been from the method, his method, you know, and. Um, that's just a lot of sense memory and and things like that. And I find that to be really useful in forming your bond with a character, I guess. No, that's awesome. Well, uh, I want to circle it back around to Hades town before we go here. And, you know, you've now, you know, it's ironic because this is the first time you're going to be doing the show in New York, but this will actually be the third production. You've been a part of it in in addition to the, the, the labs and the workshops and stuff like that. It, the show as it is coming to New York is going to look by necessity quite different than the last time it was in New York, not only in terms of casting, but right. just the physical show because of the the difference in spaces. During your time in it, how have you seen the show evolve? And obviously, I'm sure there's things you, you can't talk about at this point before it hits right. the stage. But just to, since you have been with it for a while now, and like you said earlier, you've been able to be a part of the developmental process. And so things have kind of been tailored more towards your Orpheus. And just just in general, kind of give the New York audiences an idea as to what they're going to be in for, whether they saw it originally when it was in New York or not. 
Well, yeah, one thing that I think is really exciting that I think they have always, it's always been important to them in every iteration, but I think they've, it's obviously the longer you are, are with something, um, and I'm just speaking of the creative team primarily here, the, the more ideas you have uh, in terms of modes of storytelling. And I think that they have, they've really done an incredible job in terms of the incorporation of set pieces. Uh, this, mm. the, the scenic design is a huge part of the storytelling. Wow. And I think that's amazing because when, when it functions as something other than something pretty to look at and, and scenic design in general, it really is a, a character in terms of the storytelling. Uh, it has its own personality. And I think that that's, I love the way that they've used that. And I, I actually don't start rehearsal for the Broadway production until Monday. So I won't really see for another few, a few more days what exactly they have planned for New York. Oh. But I think it's going to be similar to what we did in the Olivier. Uh, but I don't know exactly what it will entail. So I, I don't even know if I have the full answer yet, but I, I, I know that they, I think it'll continue along those lines though. Yeah, because the the stage at the Olivia and correct me if I'm wrong is at least a partial thrust, right? So it, yeah, it's a little out, and I don't know that if uh, if if the Kerr is going to have that uh, as much. Obviously, right. you, you don't know either until Monday, apparently. Uh, but it will be interesting right. to see how they they adapt that. But one of the things that I'm super fascinated about with Hades Town is the collection of talent that is involved with the show. And obviously the five principles for the show, you guys are coming back from London. A number of you have been with it in different, you know, iterations in the past, whether it was just in uh, Edmonton or in, you know, the original off Broadway run. Can you just talk a little bit about what this collection of, of five folks uh, Patrick and Amber and Andre and Eva and you, what that group is like to work with and, you know, the opportunity to bring this show from the national back over to Broadway. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's incredible. Obviously I've worked with Patrick page a few times now and I love where I I mean, I learned, I've actually studied with Patrick as well because he, he has an acting school and he uh, teaches not necessarily primarily the Meisner technique, but it's something that I'd never experienced until working with Patrick. And I think he teaches more like the reunification of the Meisner and the Strasbourg methods. I, I guess it's more like the Stanislavski thing. That's, that's what he's, I think that's what he told me. Yeah. But I, so I, I think he's a mentor to me as well. But, and Andre, it's hard for Andre to not be a mentor to anyone he meets because <laughs> he just has this wisdom that he does, that just exudes uh, from him. And he's the perfect person to play Hermes. I mean, in terms of that, uh, he just has this sort of, yeah, this quality about him. So, I mean, I feel that with him as well, but I feel that from all of the people you, if you open yourself up, I've found in life in general, if you open yourself up from the opportunity to learn from anyone, you really can. And um, we're fortunate to have some really incredible grounded artists as a part of this. I actually, I don't want to sound, cause now I sound like I'm, how do I put this? But it just, the people are, it just feels like everyone is in it for the love. And that, that's, so great when you, when you have a company of people like that. I've been fortunate to work with a lot of people like that, but um, I know that that you know from things I hear, I know that's not always the case. So uh, it's it's really really great, and I'm I'm so excited that the five of us are are all coming together over here, and we're back kind of in our hometown. I mean, I'm from here originally, and uh, and I know that Amber and Patrick and Andre are, and Eva kind of is. A child of the world she's yeah. been from london san diego everywhere so yeah 
Well, that's awesome. Well, I, I'm so excited to be able to see the show uh, here in a few months. But um, in closing, before you get to do Town for a New York audience, you're going to be in front of a New York audience again on the 24th of February. And like we talked about, the backbone of this concert is going to be your album, Youth is Wasted. But I know yeah. you're teasing some, you know, there's going to be some Broadway stuff as well. Um, any, you know, maybe some Spider-Man, maybe some Hadestown uh, in there. If, if folks are wanting to come and check out this show uh, over at Green Room 42, what, what, what can they expect? Well, I do love to make it because I, I love watching cabarets and this is a cabaret venue. I, I've never really attempted to do what would be considered a, to be a traditional cabaret, but I found over the course of performing solo shows in Los Angeles, uh, because that's where I started doing a lot of these things, mm-hmm. I found that I, it feels a little bit like a loosely like a cabaret because I like to communicate with the audience in between songs a lot. It's just not scripted at all. So there's nothing that I have planned. But I, so I guess in a way it kind of feels like I like to think that it feels a bit like a a private after party sort of thing, like a rock and roll. Like, like let's say you went yeah. to the Grammys and then you went over to Elton John's house or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think that it's kind of like that kind of feeling. But um, I just got to see him in concert too, which was incredible. Oh, but um, awesome. actually, in fact, I'm thinking about maybe playing one of his songs uh, oh, on the 24th. Okay. Um, maybe one of my favorites. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, it'll be mainly my songs and a couple of my favorite covers. Uh, because I like to do that. Uh, I love singing other people's songs sometimes. And, and I might, I'm thinking about doing something for Hades Town, but something really unexpected. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, just, you know, it'll be me and my element kind of as free as can be because, uh, it'll just be me on stage. I play a kick drum though and a tambourine while I'm playing guitar. So that's maybe <laughs> something that people didn't know. Oh, that's and awesome. That, that keeps it. It doesn't, it doesn't look as goofy as it sounds, but it, it <laughs> it it has it adds some dimension to the experience, so that yeah. it feels like there's a bit of a band there, which is nice. Yeah, adds a little adds a little depth to proceedings, not just acoustic, yeah. but you got a little bit of a rhythm section, even if it's just your feet. Yeah, and I play electric guitar, um, so that's part of why ah. the kick drum works pretty well because there's like a because there's not as much percussive of a percussive nature to the electric guitar as there is to the acoustic, so it it adds that element of percussion, which I like. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about all this stuff and letting me fan. Oh, yeah. Thank you for your time. Man. Thanks, no, yeah. I appreciate you letting me fanboy over Penny Dreadful as well. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and thank you for reminding me no that problem. it's still on Netflix. So uh, uh, I'll definitely yeah, have to check that out, yeah. too. So uh, congratulations on everything. Uh, I won't say good luck uh, necessarily, but break a leg with the show. And then also, uh, Town. I'm, I'm really pumped to be able to see it here when you guys are back on stage in a few weeks. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for knowing so much about all this stuff. You, you really, you really do your research. Wow. I, I'm, a, I, I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan, and uh, and so I. Uh, it was a, a, a definitely a, a nice pleasure and an honor for me. Thank you. Me too. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Have a good day, and uh, good luck with getting furniture in your apartment. Thank you. <laughs> when I'm lost, you bring me back. When I cry, you make me glad. When I think I have it bad, I think of you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Tell Me More. My name is Matt Timonini. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And you can reach out to Broadway Radio on both Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. We will have information for both Town and Reeve Carney's concert at the Green Room 42 in the show notes and on BroadwayRadio.com. You can also find all of his social media information there as well. Tell Me More is produced and edited by me. Special thanks to Dan Fortune and the man without whom none of Broadway Radio is possible, James Marino. Thanks again for listening, and remember, open your eyes up and rise above. Also, always get a second scoop, and when you get the chance, ask people to tell you more. I think of you I think of you